Well, at the risk of being that guy, uh, I feel like there's a conversation that we need to have as a community about how we talk to each other as a community. Now, I know, I know that we just talked about this last month a whole lot in finding your voice, but I feel like there was one conversation that we left unhad, and I honestly have been feeling it lately, and I just want to begin this morning by laying it out on the table and just say, can we just agree as a community, just as a church, church-wide, all locations, that we're not any longer going to be the kind of church that uses a word like um, literally to mean something that didn't actually happen? Can we make that agreement at this point? No, you didn't literally pee your pants because the joke was that funny. Because if you did, you wouldn't have to say it because we could all see it, right? Or how about, how about this one? Like, could we agree as a community that we're not going to use the word less when we're referring to something that can be counted. It's not 10 items or less. It's 10 items or fewer. Can we make that just concession to each other? Um, how about ironic? No, it isn't ironic that it rained on your wedding day. It's a pretty crappy coincidence. It would have been ironic if your pilot had been afraid of heights, but that's something completely different. Like, how about irregardless? Can we just make the commitment that we're not going to use the word irregardless to mean, well, anything? Because it doesn't mean anything. It actually literally does not have a meaning. I just, these are, they're things that, it's a bit of a grammar, Nazi, they just, I struggle with some of this stuff. I, I, how about one more? Um, can we agree that as a community, we're no longer going to use the word worship? to just talk about what we do when we're all in the same room on a Sunday morning. Or, in particular, we're not going to use the word worship to just talk about the musical things that we do when we talk, when we gather together on Sunday mornings. Let's make that commitment with each other. See, we've been in this series called Ordinary Revival, where we've been talking about some unnatural practices or behaviors, that if we could just make them more natural, that we would actually open up our lives to a greater experience of the supernatural. And we've been talking about things like prayer, which can be an unnatural behavior, but if we made it more natural, we could experience more of the supernatural. Or reading our Bible, which is an unnatural behavior, but if we can make it more natural, then maybe we could experience, open ourselves up to experience more of the supernatural. And this morning, we want to talk about worship as an unnatural behavior that if we made it more natural, perhaps we could experience more of the supernatural. But in order to have that conversation, I feel like we need to at least talk about what worship is. We need to know what we mean when we use the word. So here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to look at the definitions of the three words that the Bible uses, in the New Testament the Bible uses, to mean worship. The three Greek words that get translated into English using the word worship. And I feel like if we can unpack the meaning of these words, it'll help us get to the heart of what worship is. And then we can begin to imagine what it looks like to take those unnatural behaviors and make them more natural 
so that we can experience more of the supernatural. So that's what we're going to do this morning. The first word we're going to look at, the first Greek word that gets translated as worship, is in Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. It's only the second chapter of the New Testament before we're talking about worship. And this is what the verse says. It says, on coming to the house, they, the magi, the wise men, saw the baby Jesus with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It says, when they saw the child, they bowed down and worshipped him. That word worship, that's the most commonly used word for worship in the New Testament. It's in the New Testament 61 times. It's the Greek word proskuneo. And the word literally means to like kneel down or to bow down or to even prostrate yourself, to lay yourself flat at somebody's feet. Sometimes it includes kissing a person's ring or kissing their feet. It It is a sign, a gesture that is meant to communicate both to the individual and to everybody who watches just how deeply revered and honored this person is in your estimation. It is meant to communicate that you are fully dependent on this person's generosity and on their goodness, and that you are fully submissive to them with your life. That because of how good and generous they have been, or how good and generous they will be to you, that you revere them and honor them. In essence, what the word recognizes, what the word describes, is recognizing somebody for who they are, a generous and good gift giver, and recognizing what they have done. They've poured themselves out in generosity for you. And this is the tangible response of grateful love to the generous goodness of somebody who has given you something of value. I think at its very core, that is the absolute heart of what it means to worship. That when we use the word worship, we're not talking specifically about what we do when we get together in this room or what we do when we sing. What we're talking about is recognizing who God is and what God has done for us. Recognizing with our hearts that God has created us and sustains us, gives us life literally every moment of every day. You would not be breathing right now if God were not actively giving you life. Acknowledging that God loves us just the way we are, just for who we are, because we're created in the beautiful image of of a loving God. That God loves us because he can see in us not just who we are, but every potential that we have for who we could be, just like the way we look at the kids that we love in our world. It's recognizing that God is the one who rescues us in Jesus, who forgives us of our faults and our flaws and our failures of all the times that we haven't lived up to being the person he has created us 
to be. It's recognizing that God is the one who is filling our lives with the power of the Holy Spirit so that in community with each other, we can continue to become the people he's created us to be. People who love God and love ourselves and love each other and love the world and even love the planet, the kind of people we long to be in our spirits, to experience the kind of life that we long to experience. It's recognizing who God is and what he's done for us and then responding to God in the spirit of grateful love in a way that essentially everybody can see. Responding out of gratitude for every good thing that God has given for life and breath and friends and family and kids and joy and hope and peace and health and jobs and community and just whatever, just honoring the fact that every good and perfect thing that we've ever received in life comes from God and allowing our hearts to swell in grateful love towards God in response. That is the heart of worship. The word worship comes from an older English word called worthship, which is just the the quality or the condition of being worth a great deal, of being worthy of honor, of being worth much. It's the worship is the response of grateful love that communicates to God and to others how much God is worth to us. It's captured, I think, beautifully in a quote by Mary Jo Letty in her book, Radical Gratitude. It says this, it's a long quote, but it says, when we stop taking God for granted and allow ourselves to be astonished at the unaccountable and priceless reality of God's love, then all the tidy little compartments of our contractual lives fall apart. When we can't add it all up, then begins the great spiritual awakening, the start of a mature spirituality when we sense that God loves us for nothing, for no reason, we may begin to experience the desire to love God for no reason, neither expecting nor wanting anything in return. This is the beginning of the desire to pray and to worship simply because God is God. Mary Jo Letty says the heart of worship, where it begins in this acknowledgement of grateful love to a God who loves us for nothing, wants nothing in return, and loves us for no good reason, just because we are the way we are. And uh, Letty says, it's that grateful love that prompts us to want to do something. And this is the second definition, the second word that means worship in the New Testament, has to do with the doing. The Greek word is latreia. And latreia can sometimes mean the things that we do when we gather together to do worship like in a group like this on a Sunday morning. But it has a more basic meaning than that. It is the things that we do in response to what we've received. The word shows up in Romans chapter 12 verse 1. Therefore... I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, considering all that God is and all that God has done for you, 
offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship, your true and proper latreia. The word latreia is related to another Greek word, latron, and latron simply means payment. It is something that is given in exchange for what is received. And what it doesn't mean is that we are buying God's goodness and generosity and grace and love. We're not paying God back for being good to us. We're not um, paying off a debt that we owe God. We're not trying to earn or deserve his love towards us. God loves us for no reason and wants nothing in return. It's simply the tangible act of gratitude in response. When you have a, you know, a bunch of buddies who spend an entire day on Saturday and bring all the trucks and they load you up and they move houses for you on a Saturday afternoon, at the end of the day, you're going to say to your friends, what do you want? What can I get you? Thanks for your help. What do I owe you? And they're going to say nothing. And then you know what you're going to do? You're going to run out. You're going to get like gift cards to the keg and you're going to say go and have a great evening. I mean, not because you're trying to pay them back, just because you want to give them something to express your gratitude for what they've done for you. That's what Latreia is. The, the word can literally be rendered uh, or translated to render service, to offer service in response to somebody's goodness. And it really does capture kind of a, a whole life vision of what worship could be. Another translation of Romans 12 verse 1 reads like this. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. These are the same verses I just read. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the very best thing you can do for him. Notice that Latreia, worship, is not a service you attend. It's not a kind of song that you sing. It is a life that you live that affects every area of your life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around, you're running errands, you're parenting, you're rest and relaxation. It affects every part of your life. You find ways to, because God has offered himself to you in Jesus, you offer yourself to God in every area of your life. That's worship. And I think we do it in two ways. Because of our grateful love for God, we invite God into more of our lives. We are more diligent about creating spaces where we can encounter more of God in our life. So this is what we've been talking about, about prayer and about Bible reading, about creating spaces where we invite the, the powerful presence of God into our lives. But there's a million other. There's exercises that we put in your programs. But there's... There's no limit to it. You can, you can go for a walk in the woods and open yourselves up to experience the powerful presence of the living and loving God. You can experience God in art, which is why we include things like music in the service. You can, you can find the presence of God in your mind through contemplation or through meditating on the scriptures or through studying and learning. You can, you can find God in... The, in the isolation and the quiet of solitude or in the hustle and bustle of community. 
You can encounter the presence of God in acts of compassion and, and justice. You can encounter, yes, the presence of God in acts of ritual and ceremony and celebration. But there's limitless ways that in our sleeping and our eating and our, and our going to work and our walking around that we can create spaces to invite the powerful presence of the living, loving God in ever-deepening ways into our lives. And that's worship. When you listen to worship music in the car and you pray on your commute or you pray in the morning as you're feeding your kids, or when, that's worship. But there's another layer that's less about inviting God into our, the space of our lives in those ways, and more about offering God our lives into his space, into the space of his kingdom. Just think about what that verse had said, in your sleeping. How do you worship when you're sleeping? If you can trust God's goodness and care and provision enough to get a peaceful night's sleep despite your circumstance, that's worship. If you eat with family, friends, if you eat in community with the memory, the acknowledgement that there are some haves and some have-nots and we manage our eating in a way so that everyone has enough, that's worship. If we, he says, you're going to work life. If we get up in the morning and say, God, how can I be a part of your kingdom coming and your will being done on earth as it is in heaven in the way that I go to work today, whether at the job site or at home? He says, you're walking around life. To walk around with awareness that says, God, I'm surrounded by people that you love just because you love them. And out of my grateful love for you, would you show me how I can love them because you love them? That's worship. It's not a service and it's not a song. It is every action of grateful love that demonstrates to God and to anyone who could see it how much God is worth to you. That's worship. And now here we are, halfway through a sermon about worship, and I have uh, not yet talked about what we do when we gather together on a Sunday morning. And that's actually the third word for worship in the New Testament. The first is proskuneo, to to kneel or bow as an expression of honor and reverence for who God is and what God has done. A heartfelt, grateful love being expressed. And Latreia is the ways that we live that out in our day-to-day life. The third word is the word liturgia. Liturgia. And it means literally the work of the people, but what it's used to describe are the things that we do when we gather together in community, the religious stuff we do on Sunday mornings. It's a word that shows up in Acts chapter 13, verse 2. Acts 13, 2. It says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. While they were worshiping, while the church was gathered on the Lord's day, on a Sunday morning, and they were worshiping the Lord and they were fasting, 
the Holy Spirit came into their presence and communicated to them and let them know what, God, what, what it was that God wanted them to do. That's the liturgia. That's the work of the people. That's what happens when we gather together in community. Because this, what we're doing right now, is actually a special kind of worship in the New Testament. In Hebrews 10, it talks, it doesn't use this word liturgia, but it, this is what it's talking about. It says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. And let's consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The writer of the Hebrews um, equates meeting together with drawing near to God. That when we gather in this intentional kind of way, we are in a unique way in our whole life experience. This is a unique way that we draw near to God together. Because what moments like this do is they allow us for 75 minutes, let's say, to step out of the blur and the flurry and the frenetic pace of life and to step into kind of a, a timeless space. And yes, we carry all of our lives with us in here and we carry our own hearts, our souls, and whatever our circumstances are, we all bring it into this space with us. But we kind of do this thing where we step away from all of the rest of life and we just open up this, this space, this chronological space, this mental space, this emotional space, this spiritual space, like we do nowhere else. There is nowhere else in your entire week where you create this kind of uninterrupted, undistracted space to focus your attention on who God is and what God has done and to experience that arousing of a grateful love in your heart. There's nowhere else where you get to experience it like this. But it's not just the time, it's also the community. What this does is it draws us out of the isolation of our daily lives where even people who live together are passing each other like ships in the night. It draws us into community and it reminds us that we're not alone reminds us that we're part of a family and we get inspired and encouraged by each other. We get spurred on, the writer of Hebrews says, to love and good deeds. I would like to say to proskuneo, to this grateful love that acknowledges who God is and what God has done for us and to Latreia, to the ways that we live that out in our day-to-day lives. We gather here in this space for this undistracted attentiveness to who God is and what he's done so that we can reignite or rekindle that grateful love in our hearts that inspires us as we leave to love God more deeply and more gratefully and to love everybody else more fruitfully and more fully for all the other six days of the week. And then the Sunday changes your Monday to Saturday, but then as you worship God from Monday to Saturday, it makes your Sundays different because you come back into the presence of God with this grateful love because you have seen who he is and what he's done all week long. And you just want to give everything of yourself 
in an act of love to him. That's what this space is for. It's one kind of act of worship, but it's a unique kind. Because what happens in this space cannot happen in any other space in your entire week. Because what happens in this space is that we meet with the living, loving presence of God in a way that you cannot and will not encounter anywhere else. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul says this, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? And that God's spirit dwells in your midst? God's temple is sacred. And you, when you are together, are that temple. Now I know Paul also says in the same book that each one of us is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And that's true. You carry the presence of God around with you wherever you go. And that's why you can invite God into your day-to-day rhythms. And that's why you can give yourself to God in the way you love, live out your grateful love on a day-to-day way. That is true. But Paul says it is also true that when we gather together, the Holy Spirit lives among us in a way that is unique and special. You are in the presence now, here, in this place, at this moment, at this time, you are steeped in the presence of the living God. He is, God is here to encounter you and to meet with you in a way that God does not in any other space in our life. Which means, because you all know this, You don't have to come here on a Sunday morning to do what we do. You can go to YouTube and you can stream the worship set and then you can read the announcements on our website. You can donate online. You can listen to the sermon podcast and then you can download the program and do the spiritual exercise in response. You don't actually have to come. You could stay home and be in your pajamas and do all the things that we do when we're together. But you know what the difference is? You will never encounter the presence of God there the way that you do here. Because God resides in his gathered people in a way that he does not reside in other places. That's why it matters that we're here. It matters. In recent years, the numbers say that average church attendance has fallen from 3.4 times a month down to 1.8 times a month. Take God and church out of it. Ask yourself this question. What would happen to the romance of your relationship if you cut your date nights in half? What would happen to your friendships if you cut your communication by 50%? What would happen to your education if you attended only half your classes? Some of you can testify to that. What would happen to your work productivity if you only worked half days? What would happen to your fitness if you skipped half your workouts, if you skipped leg day every week? What would happen to your diet if you only counted half your calories? It makes a difference. But it's not just attendance. Just showing up to check a box, that doesn't do anything for anybody. Because you can attend in a way that will cause you to miss the presence of God. You can attend here every Sunday like a spectator. Just here to watch what other people are doing. Krista uh, no longer brings me to concerts when she goes to concerts because she loves music and we go to concerts and she's all into the music and she's standing up and she's singing and whatever. And I don't, I don't care. I'm not moved by music really generally at all. And so I just kind of sit there and I watch and I look around and I see what everyone else is doing and I totally kill her buzz. And you know what's 
true, I get absolutely nothing out of the experience. And do you know why? Because I put absolutely nothing into the experience. I make no investment in engagement, and it moves me zero. When I make the effort, I am moved. You can attend as a spectator. You can attend as a consumer. You know what the consumer's question is? What'd you get out of the service today? I didn't get anything out of the service today. Can I let you in on a little secret? If worship is our tangible response of, of great, grateful love for who God is and what God has done for us, you didn't come here to get anything. You came here to give something. You came here to give God your worship. You came to express the gratitude and love in your heart for who he is and what he's done. To say, I didn't get anything is a false that's not why you're here. You're not here to get, you're here to give. Now, if you take your partner on a date because at the end of the day you expect to get something, that's not love, that's manipulation. If you take your partner on a date because in a heart of grateful love, you just cannot believe what a gift they are to your life and you just want to show them how much you love them, you may get something at the end, but that's not why you did it. Mary Jo Letty says the heart of worship is the desire to love God for no reason, not wanting or expecting anything in return. You didn't come here today to get. You came here today to worship, to give tangible expression to your grateful love for who God is and what he's done for you in Jesus Christ. You can, if you come as a consumer, you will not encounter the presence of God. You can come as a critic. You can come as a critic. The old joke is the family went home from church and had the preacher for lunch. You could say, you know what I didn't like? I didn't like that song. I thought the singer was off key. I, I've heard that text before. He told that story. Mike's intro wasn't that funny. You could, like, all of that. But you cannot simultaneously criticize and be moved by the same object. That is not, that can't happen. Um, if you attend in a critical spirit, you will not, encounter. I, I, there was, I was in service once and a song started and the person beside me leaned over and said, I hate this song. And I leaned back and said, I don't care. Can God be worshipped in this song? If he can, get your heart right and worship. That's not what it's about. We, it's not about attending, just showing up. It's about participating. Participating with your heart. Like coming, we, we sometimes get this wrong in our staff offices too, but I hear this around the church and people will say, that service was dead or that song was dead. Services and songs can't be dead or alive. They're not organisms. Services and songs can be true or false. They can lead to true worship or false worship. Only a heart is dead or alive. And true worship happens when an alive heart meets a true expression of worship. So let's bring alive hearts. Before we come, as we're here, as we leave, God, show me who you are. Show me what you've done for me in Jesus. Rouse in me this heart of grateful love. Help me live it out all week long. Be in a prayerful spirit. Be attentive. Pay attention to the words that are said and sung and, and mean them. Intend them. Don't just say them or mouth them, but like actually from your heart, express them as you participate. Don't just participate with your heart, participate with your body. Sing when we sing, pray when we pray, read when we read. If you're able, you know, stand when we stand, raise your hands when we sing in musical worship. 
shake hands with a neighbor, greet somebody, get your body involved in what we're doing, participate. Bring a Bible and a journal and write down, not what I'm saying or what we're saying, write down what God is saying. How are you experiencing God today? What is God saying to you today? How are you experiencing grateful love for God? What response is he calling you to? Just write furiously what God is saying to you as you bring your alive heart to this true place of worship and encounter the powerful presence of the living and the loving God in a way that you can't anywhere else to inspire this response of grateful love so that your Monday to Saturday would be filled with worship. That's the point. And the writer of James, I meant to read this verse before and I forgot it. James says, if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. If you do it, you will meet God. And so I'm giving you an invitation to enter into a true worship with an alive heart right now. So our servers are going to begin to take their places and we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together, communion. And as we celebrate communion, as you come to receive, here's what I, I, I want your heart to be in this place, one of these places, to say, as I go to receive this bread and this juice, which represent the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is literally God, who came for me because of his generous love, I want you to receive the bread and the juice. And as you swallow it, I want you to ask God to fill your clear eyes and fill your heart with a, a vision, uh, with a grateful love for who Jesus is and what he's done for you. Or if your heart is already filled with grateful love, ask God, as I receive the life of Jesus through communion today, and you fill my heart all over again with this grateful love. Show me how you want me to live out a Jesus-shaped kind of love starting the moment I walk out this door as the expression of my grateful love to you. But let's come and receive. It was originally called, the communion table was originally called the Eucharist. It means thanksgiving. Let's come and with gratitude give thanks for the love of God in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there is nothing we have that we didn't get from you. Everything we need comes from you, whether that's for life and daily provision and just all the daily stuff, or whether that's the deeper things of being forgiven and healed and made whole and transformed and being reconciled to you and to myself and to each other and to the world. and We thank you for everything that you've done for us in Jesus. Would you send your Holy Spirit into this place in a fresh way in these minutes to meet with us at the table through the bread and the juice to fill our hearts with grateful love so that we can respond with our whole lives to you in worship. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.